Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Namihi and welcome to Elemental. I'm Alison Balance. And I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology. And we are up to episode 22 of this RNZ podcast, which means we are up to copper. What's the story with copper, Alan? <laughs> well, I guess in a nutshell, you could say copper is an essential element for life in moderation. That sounds like a good motto for life. Even <laughs> I know it's a metal, but lay out the rest of the basic facts for me. Okay, so the vital statistics, as per usual, copper, the elemental symbol CU, element number 29, which puts it sort of to the right-ish side of the periodic table and a little bit down, so sort of, sort of in the middle-ish, I guess. The name comes from the Latin Cyprium S, excuse my pronunciation there, Latin scholars, and that apparently means metal from Cyprus, and that later got corrupted to cuprum, which is a newer Latin, I guess. And that's how we get the CU. So cuprum, C-U-P-R-U-M, and the abbreviation CU. And uh, I guess I have a confession to make about uh, copper. Many, many moons ago now, I was lucky enough to appear on University Challenge. Oh, you smart person, you. Back in the 1980s with Peter Sinclair. And the question was, copper is named after which island in the Mediterranean? And some idiot buzzed in and said Crete. So, And I take go. it that was you? To my everlasting chagrin, yes. So you've been trying to compensate for that ever since, huh? (laughs) You're still a bit of a quiz guru, aren't you? Oh, I wouldn't want to blow my own trumpet, but the team I'm in has won the national pub quiz champion two years in a row, so, you know. Oh, right. Well, oops for getting it wrong in the first place, and well done for your subsequent (laughs) sterling career in pub quizzes. Now, as a zoologist, I really appreciate knowing how chemical elements get used in biology. So tell me more about it being an essential element for life. Copper is a component of many enzymes in the body, and enzymes are molecules, usually rather big molecules, that carry out vital uh, tasks in the body. Copper enzymes in particular do protect us from things like free radicals, which can be a little bit nasty. They are involved in cellular respiration, and so that's how we get energy from glucose, for example. They're also involved in the synthesis of melanin, which does keep the uh, UV away from you, and some hormones as well. So these are enzymes with the names such as uh, the very imaginative blue copper protein or catechol oxidase or nitrite reductase, all copper-containing enzymes and very, very important biologically. So obviously it is a vital element there, but you can have too much of it. And if you get too much of it, you get a thing called Wilson's disease, and that leads to disease of the liver and um, central nervous system dysfunction and eventual death if it's untreated, unfortunately. Hmm. I take it that the opposite of that too, a deficiency would also be a problem? 
Yes, uh, too little copper can lead to a thing called Menke's disease, and this is genetic, unfortunately. It leads to nervous system deterioration, and very, very sadly, victims die before the age of six. So you don't want too much and you don't want too little. So just enough. Now, you said its name came from Cyprus. What's that connection? Well, it was found actually in its native state in Cyprus, and this was a very, very long time ago, so we're talking thousands of years BC. So it's a metal that you can actually find lying around in its raw state, that's what you're saying? Yes, this is one of the few metals that you can actually do that with. So you can find it knocking around, certainly in Cyprus and other parts of the Middle East, And indeed, in some parts of the USA, uh, I managed to visit the Upper Peninsula of Michigan a few years ago, and that is quite famous for lumps of copper up there. And um, I am, (laughs) I guess, the proud owner of one of those lumps of copper. It looks really quite spectacular. So as I said, this fact that copper exists in its natural state has been known for many years. And in fact, in Iraq, they've found copper beads that are around about 10,000 years old. It was too soft to do anything really useful with, But what somebody found one day, and by goodness, if they'd patented it at the time, they would have made a fortune, was if you added tin to copper, you got a thing called bronze. And bronze was much harder than either tin or copper and made it very, very good for weapons, things like that. And at that time, it was the hardest alloy known. And um, this stuff was so important that it had an age named after it, the Bronze Age. And the Bronze Age started around about 3000 BCE, and finished about 2,000 years later. Where does brass come into it? Brass is what you get if you add zinc to copper as well. So copper's very, very useful in terms of alloys. So do we use it on its own, though? You said it was soft. It is very soft. You can use it on its own, and obviously uh, one of the places where it has been used uh, over many, many years is in coins. And copper, along with silver and gold, is often called one of the coinage metals. And the reason that it's useful in that is that it retains its beautiful sort of copper-coloured, for want of a better word, luster, and it's very, very slow to tarnish, just like silver and gold are. So it used to be pennies, didn't it, or cents, depending on which um, currency you had. But you said it's slow to tarnish, but I'm thinking, if I wear copper bracelets, which I think I once had one, it used to go green. And Mm. if you put old, not that we have them anymore, one and two cent coins aside, say in a piggy bank or something, you'd come back to them and they'd be green as well. Is that just because they weren't being handled and the tarnish wasn't rubbing off? That'd be right. And obviously, if you've ever seen a copper roof, um, they eventually go green. And your good old Statue of Liberty has a distinctive green colour as well. And the green colour is a thing called verdigris. And the, the chemical name for that, I guess, is a thing called basic copper carbonate. And this comes about through reaction of uh, copper metal with CO2 in the air under particular conditions. So, as you said, we did have the one and two cent pieces, which were predominantly copper anyway. And we don't have copper coins in New Zealand anymore, although you might think that the 10 cent piece looks like a copper coin. It is, in fact, is mostly steel. It's got a copper coating on it. But copper is still very, very useful uh, because of the fact that it is very, very conductive. So all metals conduct electricity and heat. Copper is just particularly good at it. And, in fact, it's the second best electrical conductor that you can get after silver, which is why we use lots of copper wires and stuff. So I take it that we used copper, and I'm thinking for home phone connections here because they always talk about your copper wires. Indeed. I'm sure we just used copper because it was rather cheaper than silver. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And of course, all of this now is being superseded by fibre optics. So we're getting rid of the old copper cables. Obviously, it's still used particularly in power lines. Well, I've read somewhere that 
thefts of copper cables can be quite a problem. So as well as people stealing things like copper spouting and pipes from houses, they're also <laughs> ripping out phone lines and even wires and electricity substations, apparently, which sounds really dangerous to yeah, me. Yeah, you, would, you really wouldn't want to do that. It is quite valuable. It can obviously be recycled, and so the scrap metal merchants are certainly in the business of buying it. That's right. I was talking to somebody recently and they said they managed to make about 100 bucks by taking their old hot water cylinder to the scrap metal merchant and they were surprised <laughs> how much it was worth. Yeah, and it is a good thing that people do want to sell it for it to be recycled because, like all the elements, there's only so much copper on the planet and it turns out that we are hitting, for want again of a better term, peak copper. So annually around about 12 million tonnes of copper are mined per year but current estimates on the amount that's left in planet Earth is around about 300 million tonnes. So this looming shortage won't be of any worries or concerns to octopuses, or should that be octopi, you're uh-huh. a biologist. That's right. So we're in my biology world now. So definitely octopuses, apparently. Right. So why did we segue all the way from copper exactly. wire to octopuses? <laughs> yes, I know, I know. Tenuous at best, but... If you've ever seen octopuses, you'll know that they have got blue blood, unlike us and uh, lots of other things on planet Earth which generally have uh, red blood. And the reason that octopuses have blue blood is that they use a copper compound to transport oxygen around their bodies. Unlike us, we use an iron compound. So the iron compound is red, the copper compound's blue. Very good on your biology today. Can I butt in for a second? So, <laughs> Absolutely. Because you can, I, yes. I love this. I, I really like octopuses and cephalopods. They have hemocyanin in their blood to move oxygen around. We use hemoglobin. Mm-hmm. And apparently, hemocyanin's really effective in cold water where oxygen levels are really low. And as a result of that, you get octopuses everywhere from the tropics to the poles. But one of the downsides of the copper is it makes their blood very viscous. And I can't remember whoever said that, but octopuses are so smart that they'd probably take over the world if they didn't have hemocyanin in their blood. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to turn this into an octopus podcast. Back to copper. Yes, indeed. So um, we've mentioned that uh, copper goes green when it tarnishes. But if you're going to associate a particular colour with copper, uh, it would be definitely blue. If you look at all these beautiful copper salts in the laboratories, and they're pretty much all blue. And what we find are that some copper pigments are used in art. This led to a very interesting, relatively recent case of detection of art forgery. So there's a copper pigment called copper thalocyanine, which is a beautiful, beautiful deep blue colour. And there was a Marc Chagall painting going around being sold from place to place. And somebody suspected that this was, in fact, a fake. And so what a New Zealand-born chemist by the name of uh, Robin Clark did was to examine the painting using a thing called Raman spectroscopy. And what he showed was that this particular blue pigment was, in fact, present in this painting that was supposedly by Marc Chagall. Now, the trouble with this was the painting was painted in 1910, but the pigment wasn't actually discovered until 1938. (laughs) So I take it that the painting was only supposedly painted in 1910 then? Yes, much later than that. So an obvious fraud. And it took a a, a really great Kiwi scientist, actually, who unfortunately just passed away uh, late last year, to find this out. Really, really fascinating stuff. So... This painting, which was in France at the time, by French law, had to be destroyed in the presence of a magistrate. (laughs) Ah, 
Ah, well, well done, Robin, for pointing the finger and saying, no, that's definitely a forgery. So anyway, <laughs> copper, essential in many things, but not in an art forgery, posing as the real thing. No. And that brings us to the end of the Elemental Podcast, and I'm thinking that perhaps essential listening and moderation is a good motto for our podcast series <laughs> as well. <laughs> Which is why we only have two or sometimes three episodes a week. We wouldn't want to overdo the good stuff, would we? If you have missed one of your regular doses of Elemental, you'll find past episodes on your favourite podcast app or just head to rnz.co.nz slash chemistry. We're back next week, but until then, it's goodbye from me, Alison Balance. And goodbye from me, Alan Blackman. See you next time. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.